Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 331 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the co-founder and chief technical officer of Cast AI. He has worked in technology for more than 20 years in roles that cover product management, software design and development through to production deployment. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Leon Cooperman. Hey Phil, nice to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, thank, thanks for joining me. Um, Leon, obviously, your current role is of, is of great interest in terms of what you're doing as Chief Technical Officer at Cast AI. So could you maybe give us a bit of an insight into, into what that is and how it came about? Absolutely. So it's a pretty interesting origin story, Phil. Uh, in previous roles, uh, in previous startups, uh, we, we, uh, so one specifically, uh, a cybersecurity startup, uh, that we were working on, um, we had we had a pretty good run in terms of product market fit. Like we, our customers were really happy, the product was really doing well. We ended up selling the business to Oracle at the end of uh, the journey over a kind of a three and a half year period. But one of the things that was really bothering me about the whole experience, <coughs> excuse me, was that. When we started the business, our cloud expense was just, you know, a few thousand dollars a month, a couple thousand dollars. And every month as we gained customers, the bill would increase exponentially. So by the time we had ended up selling the business, we went from a couple thousand dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in cloud expense. And I would have this conversation with our CEO every single month about the why is our bill growing? How come you can't get your hands, uh, your 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 costs under control? Like, while we did a really good job, in my opinion, with the product and the, and the customer base was really happy, we failed miserably on cost management. And so it was out of that pain point and a few other incidents like that, uh, that I came to the conclusion that I can't be the only person in the world that is struggling with my AWS or cloud bill. And so... We, we kind of thought about it from a first principles perspective and decided that CAST, the way we're building it now, is kind of the directional first principles approach to solving the problem kind of globally for, for all customers. Right. Okay. And, and how long has, has the company been running? It's been around just about uh, just over a year. So we launched our first product, uh, product in uh, 2021 to the market. Uh, and uh, we've been adding customers ever since and uh, really enjoying the feedback that our existing customers and prospects are, are providing to us. Right. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, do you have a sort of a long-term ambition for what Cast AI will be, or is it a sort of um, organic growth of what you're doing now? I actually have a, a very long-term, like some, I, I try to like not inundate the team too much with like long-term roadmap details because it will just make your head spin. But I, I really see, so just uh, in the technology space, kind of, I believe the world is moving all applications to kind of this containerization technology. 
within the next five to seven years. It's kind of an inevitable outcome. I don't think people are going to be deploying applications on virtual machines in the long run. So if you take that kind of as a premise, well, then the world needs a control plane, like something to organize and manage those containers. And the by far, kind of, the, there's no debate in that space right now. The the, the prevalent technology is this uh, technology called Kubernetes. And so if you take those kind of two principles as where the world will be in seven years, um, then my principle is, is that Kubernetes is far too difficult to operate, not only from a cost management perspective, which is the first pillar that we're tackling, but also from a, a compliance and security perspective, high availability and disaster recovery. So I really see CAST evolving across multiple pillars, like the the first one that we're highly focusing on and our sales motion against is against our cost uh, visibility attribution and optimization strategy through automation. But now automation can be applied towards cybersecurity, which will be the next pillar of the product and then high availability. And so um, that's kind of like the three stools, uh, three legs of the stool that we're working against right now. And there's kind of some more uh, in the background. Uh, and then folks might sometimes ask me, well, Leon, like each one of those is a startup in and of itself. Like you're doing the opposite of focusing with this startup. Like this is breaking all of the rules. And I, I kind of draw the analogy with Amazon. You know, Amazon is a bunch of businesses under one very large business umbrella. And they do that through this kind of two pizza uh, team model. Like if you can, you know, team has to be fed by, with two pizzas is kind of the analogy. So every, if every team is kind of working independently, almost as if it's its own independent business with its own independent PL, they have the ability to focus on their specific mission with an overarching platform that is creating true automation value across the whole ecosystem. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I suppose um, it's very difficult as well, isn't it? To I mean, IT is notoriously difficult to understand what's going to happen or project or predict what's going to happen next. So you've got to have that level of flexibility built in as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's very clear in my mind, but I'm also living and breathing cloud technology on a daily basis. But you're right that like if you just step back and look at it from a 10,000 foot view, the, the water is so murky. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, Liam, we're going to go into the, the main part of the interview now. So could you maybe give us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah. So I'll and, – and my career tip is going to be pretty unorthodox. I think um, – I've been thinking about this question for a bit, Phil um, – so this is the approach that I kind of, so I believe that engineering leaderships, um, so if you if you want to have a, a career as an IT leader, it's absolutely a prerequisite, in my opinion, for you to have an engineering mindset. So it's difficult to kind of transport yourself from, let's say, a marketing role into technology leadership because you don't, you're not immersed in the subject matter of the, of what you're building, ultimately of what your team is delivering. And I know that's a controversial opinion because folks say, well, you know, from a leadership perspective, you don't necessarily need to be a subject matter expert. But I believe that not to be true from my experience. I think you gain a lot of credibility and respect from your team if you are able to understand their jobs uh, at, a, at a detailed level. So 
having said that, kind of with that as the background, I believe in this kind of high-low strategy, and I've been using it throughout my career, and I'll explain what that means in a second. So it's important for me, you know, when I'm running a, a large technology organization is to have a 10,000 foot view. What is going on in the industry? What are those macro movements happening across our industry uh, and verticals? And so that requires a lot of higher order thinking uh, and, and you have to have a lot of inputs there. But just as importantly, uh, I switch modes in many instances and I go very deep into a technological area. So as an example, you know, I might get into, like I might actually change patterns and get into a very low level piece of code for a short period of time, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe I'm prototyping something as a proof of concept, I'm working with my engineers directly to unravel a very difficult problem, but I don't stay there, I don't stay at those depths, right? I come back up to, kind of the organizational level and then back to that 10,000 foot view. And I believe that what's what's helped me in my career thus far is that oscillation. I can uh, speak at the level of the engineer and still stay relevant and keep my skills sharp, but then also be able to come back and understand higher order business concepts and industry concepts. And that's what helps me kind of set direction for product and industry in general, like because I, I have that uh, macro opinion that's heavily seated as well right so do you feel that that sort of enables you to be able to communicate at different levels within both within the organization but also maybe a, a customer and client level as well yeah and it really helps with customers and clients because no one wants kind of like a bs on, sales only kind of approach doing engagement right it's it's good for relationships but at some point, the technical rubber meets the road. And I find that when I, my customers, engineers respect my opinion uh, and they respect the position that we've taken because I'm able to talk to them at a very detailed level, they have they gain a respect for the overall company and our ability to execute. So diving deep with customers is also super important and partners as well. Partners want to be able to trust you and that technical excellence is is something that they hinge on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, Leon, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Absolutely. So I have to go back to, let's see, it was 2007 or 2008, um, maybe 2007. Um, and this is kind of pre-Bitcoin, just to, like a Bitcoin wasn't super prevalent. And I uh, was running an e-commerce outfit, uh, uh, online e-commerce for luxury goods in Los Angeles. That's where we were living at the time. And uh, our uh, e-commerce site went down. Uh, it was unexpected. We had a pretty reliable system. And then we got a ransom note from uh, cybersecurity, basically, uh, hackers that said, look, we are going to keep your site down. We are attacking it through what's called the distributed denial of service attack. And we're going to keep that site down until you pay us the equivalent of $5,000 USD. And we want the money uh, uh, Western Union to this location in Siberia they gave us. And my, and so I was. this was the first time I had ever kind of experienced that online criminal element. 
and I'm sure a lot of folks can relate to this kind of as a ransomware story or a denial of service story, but I was completely unprepared. I thought I had the tools and the staff and the technology to kind of uh, fix it or, or at least uh, mitigate the, the problem or the attack, but it turned out I didn't. And, and it was a very difficult week because my CEO was saying, hey, we don't negotiate uh, with criminals. Sorry, you got to fix this. But at the same time, we're losing, you know, in the uh, high six figures of revenue every single day that the site is down or suboptimally working. And uh, it was one of the most stressful times uh, in my career. And Phil, you know, they say that every kind of negative story has you learn something from it. There's a yep. silver lining. You get something out of it. Well, I'll tell you, at that time, there was I there was no way I could imagine uh, something positive coming out of it. But when the dust settled and we did, by the way, we did pay the, I wouldn't recommend this to, to uh, anyone, but we did pay the ransom in the end because I, I didn't have all the tools I needed. But then right. I sure, <laughs> but then I sure educated myself after the fact and my team. And that's actually what led to one of the startups that, that we founded called Zen Edge uh, that was eventually sold to Oracle. But that was a, uh, that was a really pivotal moment in my career. What I realized there's a whole area of cybersecurity that I had a blind spot in. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit of an eye-opener for some people, I'm sure, that, that that can happen. And um I suppose the problem is if you do pay, um, they know you're you're potentially a soft touch. Yeah, you know it's coming in six months, but the guy sent me a very interesting email. <clears throat> He's like, Thank you very much. You're a great customer. Please identify any competitors you'd like us to target and we will do that service free of charge for you i'm like you got to be kidding i don't want to have anything to do with you no exactly yes wow that's an interesting story definitely okay um leon can you tell us about your career highlight to date um so i've had a lot of career highlights i think it's a kind of an evergreen process where i'm just so i, I always tell my wife I love technology and I love software engineering. And even if it didn't pay very much money, I'd still be doing it. So I guess as a family, we're fortunate that it's a, a fairly good job. Um, but I, I would say that uh, one of the career highlights I'll give you, Phil, is um, I had this opportunity when uh, Oracle had acquired our startup and I was kind of laying low for a little while, didn't kind of want to get noticed and was kind of doing my time. Um, but then uh, I think the organization realized that I had more to offer and they gave me a opportunity for a bigger role. Uh, and so I ended up kind of uh, taking over a larger section of overall cloud security at Oracle for all of the products that our customers use to, um, to uh, secure their environments. And we had some pretty interesting and radical ideas in the roadmap. And I was able to synthesize those into a presentation and uh, a fairly aggressive roadmap, and I was able to kind of pitch that roadmap to Larry Allison at Oracle, which was a very interesting experience. Like the whole experience was very surreal, uh, and uh, I, like I remember the conversation. And my perception early on was is that you know Larry's like done it all. Like he's he is the goat. So like how much interest is he going to have in this cybersecurity roadmap? He had pre-read the, the he had pre-read the presentation. He absorbed all of the material, and he was kind of one of my like in that uh, meeting of very senior executives at the company. He was one of the uh, the biggest fans of the roadmap, and 
he was kind of leaning in. So I was really impressed with his technical acumen for where he is in his career and the level of interest he had to what I thought was a critical topic, but I didn't know if senior management necessarily shared that same opinion. Yes, that's interesting to hear. And do you do you think that that has influenced how you run your own teams and company? It has. I mean, there was uh, a lot of things that I didn't think I would learn much. And it turned out I learned so much uh, from that experience at Oracle. Um, and so that so some of it was um, positive. Some of it was negative that I had to maybe change afterwards uh, in terms of corporate culture. Uh, but it was really an eye opener. And one of the interesting things that I saw was that the modern parts of Oracle, the kind of the newer organizations, got a lot of their thinking from tech startup world. Uh, they got thinking from Google and from Amazon. And specifically because the cloud organization was in Seattle, we had a lot of transplants from AWS. And so AWS and Amazon in general have a very interesting way of thinking. And if I could uh, uh, make a recommendation to your audience, there's a really good book about um Amazon kind of culture, and I, th- I believe it's called Working Backwards, and it really starts with this uh, this concept of a customer press release. So if you have a product idea, the concept starts with, how would you announce this to the world? And it starts with this press release in an FAQ, PRFAQ it's called, and then all of the, so it all starts with the customer journey and works backwards. And I wasn't re- necessarily writing my product documents that way prior to my experience at OCI, but I very much changed my writing style. I changed my communication style to be very specific and direct, starting with the customer journey. And it was probably one of the best changes I have made, uh, certainly in the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really about putting the customer first, isn't it? Yeah. And it's thinking about what their experience is going to be. What what is the unique thing that you are, it's not just about putting up a product with some benefits and features, but what is their unique journey going to look like and how does their journey affected with other tools and platforms that they're using? Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, Leon, what excites you about the future of the, the IT industry and careers in tech? Oh, there's, there are a few areas. So, um, one of them is machine learning and data science. Like the evolution of machine learning and data science tools has just exploded over the last, I let me call it five to seven years, where you, you used to think of like these machine learning engineers or data science engineers as these kind of uh, very rare, hard to find talents that were kind of off in an ivory tower somewhere. And the explosion of the skill set is prevalent and i've been interviewing young data scientists maybe with one or two years of experience and i'm just blown away with the knowledge that they come to the interview with like these guys are often uh, guys and gals are often teaching me things that uh, are in my domain of of, spe- of special uh, of speciality so i'm really excited about the future of data science uh, as uh, uh, and and machine learning uh, i've really been following the things that, like, for example, the AlphaGo team and, and the AlphaStar team have been doing at Google, really amazing work. Uh, and I think it's going to be highly applicable 
in the short and medium term futures. And then in the long term, we have to deal with the ethical nature of machine learning and AI. I still think yes. we're a ways. Yeah, I think we're a ways there, but we have to start thinking about it now. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. It's all, all positive, but as long as it's controlled. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Sure, let's do it, Phil. Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? That's an easy one. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, uh, that sitcom on TV. It's called Young Sheldon, where like his first early experiences as a kid were at Radio Shack and like looking at whatever that computer was, like the TR-100. I had yep. exactly that same childhood memory where I begged my parents at 10 years old to get a computer and we couldn't afford it. Uh, and then finally I got this Apple clone and I remember going to Radio Shack every single day, going to the mall and like staring in wonder. So it came to me at a very early age. I got my 10,000 hours in starting to code when I was 10, you know, onward. And so by the time I got to university, the coding classes were a joke. Like it, it wasn't until third year that I was really challenged in a serious way in computer science. Yes, no, understandable, yeah. And and what is the best career advice you've ever received? Oh, I, I have a good nugget for you, Phil. So one of the best kind of blurbs or, or career, career advice that uh, I've got two that I'll share with you. The first one uh, is for kind of individual contributors and managers. And the individual contributor advice is if you work to work yourself out of a job, you will never be out of a job. In other words, figure out ways to make what you're doing not a thing that needs to be done anymore through automation, through a different process, through hiring people, through eliminating the task altogether. Uh, you, will ne- you will always be raising the value uh, that you have to the organization you work for. So that's one interesting yeah. nugget. The other interesting nugget is more for managers. And the advice goes something like this. If you are anxious about <clears throat> letting somebody go, like we, we all have to do this kind of in management careers, there's a litmus test that you can perform. And that litmus test is the following. If someone walks into your office, if that person walks into your office and says, I'm leaving, I'm quitting the job, I, I found another opportunity. What would your initial gut reaction be? If your initial gut reaction is, I'm in total angst, I don't know what to do, I can't live without this person, uh, then that's one path. And if the other emotional reaction is relief, then you're actually doing yourself and the team a disservice by not taking action sooner. So if you if your initial feeling is relief, like that means that person is having trouble in your organization, probably doesn't belong, probably should be in a different group, team, org, or company, and you're doing the team a disservice by not taking action. Yeah, that's a very good point, definitely. Okay, and what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I think the worst career advice I've ever received is is that engineers can't be business people and business people shouldn't be engineers. I think that's a total fallacy. I think engineers can be amazing business people and uh, so because they already have critical thinking and uh, analytical minds. Uh, 
So it's just a skill set, an additional skill set that you have to adopt. So I always felt this early on, like, hey, business isn't my realm. I shouldn't be worried about it. That's for business folks to think about. And I should really focus on the technology. But that's not true. Some of our greatest business leaders come from an engineering background. Elon Musk is a good example. There are many others. Um, the, the person who wrote, uh, who runs Coinbase right now, wrote the initial code for the for the, for the company. So uh, I think that opinion has radically changed. But it's probably some of the worst, the worst feedback or advice that I ever got. Yeah, right. Okay. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I would do much differently. So uh, I probably would explore. So I, I started with a, uh, I was very anxious to start working and I you know, kind of took the first opportunity that I could. It was, uh, it was an internship at IBM. But I actually, um, the first project that I was on, I hated it. I thought I was never going to be a software developer because I was working in some back-end compiler group and I never saw the sun shine. It was just so, it was such a bad engineering experience. I didn't want to do it anymore. And it's because I didn't take the time to kind of look around and see, hey, it's not just any job. It's what am I going to be passionate about, right? Like, is it, uh, uh, what type of, because software is such a vast, field, you really should take your time to pick. And I, you know, obviously I had a couple of early missteps in terms of what my focus was, but I eventually figured it out. And so I think everyone's path is slightly different, but I would take a little bit more time to focus on what I'm really interested in. Yeah, that was sensible. Definitely. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? So my career objectives are a little bit different. Like I, I think I'm at a stage in my career where I'm trying to figure out how to impact the industry for the better. So I'm really passionate about what we're working on at CAST because I believe there's a lot of injustice in the way that customers are being locked into specific cloud vendors. The financial equation is upside down in many ways, in my opinion. So I'm very passionate about cloud economics and Every, everything that comes with the waste of cloud computing resources that affects the environment, that affects budgets, that affects in future innovation, that affects future cloud migration. There are some systematic issues in our industry that I believe we can fix with a cast approach or something like it. And so I'm really focused on what industry impact would be. Um, for me, this is not so much... Uh, size of organization or size of team or even size of company for that matter. I, I really want to do something positive for the industry at this stage in my career. Right. Okay, good, good. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Being able to uh, communicate clearly uh, and with a sense of empathy to individuals, right? So it helped. So if I boil this down, being able to sell, even as in, an, in a technical role, is highly advantageous. So if you are able to, so like if you and I are sitting across the table, um, like you, we may be in a lateral organization, but I'm still set like, or whether you're a customer, a coworker, in a different division, I'm still trying to 
get you somewhere eventually, right? It might be something I need out of your product. It might be something I need out of your group in terms of resources, but I'm always selling, right? So I think the number one non-technical skill is the ability to clearly communicate and sell my ideas to my peers and to customers. That's probably helped me the most. Yeah, good. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I remember that we we started with that kind of high low uh, approach to yes engineering concepts. So I do that for two reasons. One, for all of those relevancy reasons we talked about, but also because it's super fun to get into the details and to code. And so when I feel like I'm overwhelmed with a lot of must do business work, sales proposals, uh, budget planning. I dive deep into a particular topic and I might do that for a couple of weeks and I do it for fun. And that's what keeps me highly motivated because usually out of that deep dive, some people call it a self learning exercise. Um, Some interesting nuggets come out in terms of innovation and then I can take those and apply them to the business. So uh, diving deep helps with uh, my overall credibility, but it also helps me stay energized and having fun okay and what do you do in your spare time away from technology so i have three kids uh of various ages and uh the older ones not don't keep me as busy the younger one uh does keep me super busy uh but uh, and we as a family we really like to travel that's kind of been ixnade in the last couple of years yes uh, all, <laughs> although we're tra- traveling and one interesting factoid that I'll bring up, uh, something that I'm pretty passionate about and that I do in my spare time is a mixed uh, martial art called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I don't, Phil, have you ever heard of uh, heard of it? Uh, jiu-Jitsu, yes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. If, if you're an MMA fan and you like kind of go back to the, you know, like, I don't know, 20 years ago when... Uh, when the when the sport kind of really blossomed in, in the Western uh, part of the world, um, there was this uh, group of fighters from Brazil that kind of came up came up and showed the world their skill set. It, it evolved from Japanese roots and made its way to Brazil. It's a long lineage. So I've been studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for uh, since two thousand and nine. I have a brown belt. Uh, I don't actively compete anymore. I'm, I'm a little bit uh, uh, above the age of for uh, active competition. Um, but that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I look at it like a chess game. It's just a chess game with your body. So it's very mentally stimulating, obviously provides all the exercise you'll ever need. Uh, and I highly recommend it for folks that are looking for something interesting to do uh, and get a great exercise at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Leon, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Uh, So I would say um, make sure that you're working on something that you love to do every single day because otherwise you're trapped in a jail of your own making and you're in that matrix, if if you recall that movie, and you're in a matrix that you can never escape. And so the difference between misery and happiness, in my opinion, is the fun that you're able to have while you're working on the things that you really love to do. And that's really the difference, in my opinion, of uh, like someone who's miserable 
at work every single day and just can't wait to get out and go home versus someone that just enjoys every aspect of what they do. And I really hope that everyone uh, finds that piece of passion because that's, I think the ultimate, like the purpose and passion is the ultimate kind of path to happiness in my mind. Yeah, I think that that element of enjoyment is is essential, isn't it, to anybody who wants career success. Um, otherwise, as you say, it it's a case of wanting to, the day to end as soon as possible, isn't it? Exactly right. Like how how can you even think about being successful, either from an organizational perspective or monetarily or compensation, if you don't love what you do? Yeah, impossible. Exactly. Leon, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? So the you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the only social media that I really use. Uh, it's uh, uh, we'll, I guess we'll, we can post a link to my profile in, yeah, in, we will. in the show. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Cast AI and our mission, that's just cast.ai. And then we've got a whole bunch of blog posts and material for folks and uh all, all kinds of things you can read to kind of catch up on our vision for the future of cloud great leon thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today it's been great chatting with you phil thank you so much for the probing and insightful questions and i uh, really appreciate your time thank you hi phil here again well i hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest you can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do, so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.